This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. go into our scripture reading for this morning. And the reading is taken from the book of James, chapter 4, and we read to us two verses from verses 7 to uh, verse 8. And um, this is still in the series of messages we're looking at, We Are Overcomers. And today we'll be looking at resisting the devil and his works. Resisting the devil and his works and see we're going to see what that means uh, for us as part of our lessons on we are overcomers and James chapter 4 verse 7 to 8 says this he says so humble yourselves before God resist the devil and he will flee from you verse 8 he says come close to God And God will come close to you. Some translations will say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And Lord, we pray that you will once again speak to us for the short time that we have this morning. And open our eyes to see how we can resist the devil as the scripture has called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, ever since we started this lesson on We Are Overcomers, um, we've covered quite a lot in our lessons for those that have been coming and following us um, when we started this lesson. Uh, we've looked at the nature of our enemy for those who were here. We've looked at the tactics of our enemy, how he operates and how he gets at us as Christians. We've also looked at how to overcome deception with the emphasis on being sober, staying alert, and being vigilant. I think that was the last lesson that we looked at. And we saw the need for us to, as Christians, we have to be sober. We are called to be vigilant. And we saw what that means for us. And we looked at the life of Samson, a man who was called of God, who was greatly anointed, who had a great purpose for his life. And we saw how he ended up, how he allowed the enemy, basically, to come into his life and ruined everything that God had in store for him. So it's not about the gifts and the callings or whatever purpose that God have got for us. Let us never forget that there is an enemy who is out there, as the Bible tells us, roaming about and seeking whom to devour. And if there is an enemy, then for us as Christians, all we need to do is to understand our position in Christ and how we can stand strong even when the enemy comes or maybe comes against us with everything that he has got. And when you go into the scriptures, it's full of examples of people, godly men, women, those who stood against the enemy as the enemy came to attack them. And we're not going to pick up examples, but we're going to be looking at resisting. So that's the emphasis for us today, resisting the enemy and his works. Now, when you see that word or hear that word resistance, I wonder what comes to your mind, you know, resistance. What picture does he paint? In your mind. I remember the first time I was going through that scripture and I was playing around in my head with that word resistance. What actually came to my mind, especially this is how some people will see resistance. 
If you remember when we had the um, Arab uprising and people were rising up against their rulers or those who have been ruling against them and saying, enough is enough, we've had enough now, you've ruled us for so long, now we want to break <laughs> the yoke off our necks. And it was happening in different parts of the world. It was like a mass movement that spread all over. Resistance, people were resisting those governments. They were saying, we've had enough, we can't continue like this anymore. There is something better for us, there's a better life that we uh, can live. But whatever picture, maybe that word resistance paints in your mind uh, this morning, I want you to know that when you come to the scriptures, the Bible has something to say to us about resistance when it comes to resisting the enemy of our soul or when it comes to overcoming the enemy of our soul, and that is the devil. I don't know if you're familiar with church history or maybe you've read your Bible from maybe the New Testament till the end of Revelation. You will notice that all those people that we call martyrs in the Bible, martyrs are those who died for the faith or those who were killed for their faith. Every single one of them stood against the enemy. They stood against what the devil or what when the, the plans of the enemy. And when you look at their lives, you will see that you cannot really be the best that God has in store for you or maybe the best that God has planned for you without resisting the enemy. And so when I look at the life of this man, the martyrs, those who stood and said, no, we are not going to give up. We are not going to allow the enemy to have the upper hand. Now it shows there is something about resistance that as Christians we need to learn. Although many of us here may never come to a point where we die for our faith, but at least God is saying, resist the devil and he will flee for you. So the question is, what does it mean for us when we talk about resisting the devil? And when I look into the scriptures, I see that resistance is actually the biblical approach for us as Christians to confronting and overcoming the devil. There's no other approach you have in the scriptures. Yes, we are saved. We are full of the Holy Spirit. God has given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. But then God tells us that there is something we have to do. And that is that we need to resist the enemy. Of course, some Christians are worried about the works of the devil. What the enemy is doing in our communities. What he's doing in maybe in our churches. What he's doing in different parts of the world. And we are wondering, but how can we as Christians stand strong? And that's why the Bible calls us to resist. So I see resistance as the biblical approach to confronting and overcoming the devil. I'll take us back to the scripture that we read in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 to 9. And let's read that scripture again. This is, I think, one of the key texts that we looked at. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, and remember we said an adversary is someone who opposes you. Anywhere you turn, he's out to stop you. He's out to oppose you. The devil, and the Bible clearly identifies him, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking. So he's looking for people Seeking whom he may divide. Doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or whether you're a non-believer. He's just seeking for whom he may divide. Like one going and looking for a target to attack. And look at verse 9. He then tells us, after verse 8, what we need to do. The biblical approach. How we can stand strong and how we can overcome him. He says, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood. In the world. So what we are going through or some of the attacks that we go through as Christians is not really unique to us. Christians in Africa are going through attacks. Christians in Asia are going through things. In their families, they are coming through things that sometimes we can't even imagine or begin 
to describe. So it is experienced, the sufferings, the things that they go through is experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I don't know if you've seen someone going through a problem and they make it so personal, like no one else is going through or has ever gone through what they are going through. Yes, it may be personal to you, but the reality is that if you look around you, there is someone who has been through what you're going through. There are many who are going through that same problem that you are going through. And the Bible is calling us and saying, this is how you can stand. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And we're going to look at what that means as we go on. If you also go to James chapter 4, verse 7, look at that James chapter 4, and it's also the call that we are looking at. It says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. So you can see the biblical approach that the Bible tells us. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's like it's a promise. It's like God is saying, this is what you need to do. This is the only way to go about this. Because the devil will be there. He will try to do things. He will try to attack you. He will try to disrupt your life and what God is doing. But he says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So when we talk about resistance, we're not talking about some kind of passive action or something, something that is passive. But rather, what we are looking at here is an active stance that you take as a Christian against the enemy of your soul. So we are not saying when the Bible says resist him, we do nothing. We just wake up one morning or wake up every day and we say, you know what, the Bible says resist. So resistance maybe means me just sitting idly and then watching and looking around and waiting for the Holy Spirit to do something in and through me. But rather, resistance is an active stance that we need to take. It's intentional and it is powerful. And you might be wondering what it looks like in practice. Because sometimes when you look at this scripture and it says resist the devil and he will flee, you're wondering, but what does it look like in practice resisting? How do I resist someone? I'll give us a good example. Let's say you are standing on the platform here. And of course, there are two steps. And um, and I'm coming from that part of the platform and I'm rushing towards you to knock you off from the stage or from the platform. Now, if you want to resist me, you're not just going to stand and watch and look and allow me to knock you off the platform. What happens? Your stance changes. Your position, maybe your muscles tense up a little bit. You're really expecting the impact or you're trying to do something to make sure that I don't get my way or do what I want. So resistance, I said, is not something that is passive. It's active. It's something that you intentionally do to make sure that you maintain your position and stand where God wants you to stand. So resistance, in practice, this is how you may look at it, just to give us a little bit on that one. Resistance is when we go against the tide of the culture and then we refuse to adapt all these evil practices around us because the majority of people are going along with it. That's one way of looking at resistance. Because the devil doesn't come to us like the devil. He comes through the people. He comes through the culture. He comes through suggestions, as we've seen in the tactics of the enemy. He comes through and says to us, well, it's acceptable. Everyone is doing it. Why don't you just go with the tide? So for us to resist the enemy, we are saying that we are going against the tide of culture. We are refusing the evil practices that we see around us. We are not going to accept it just because the majority of people are doing it. Remember what the Bible tells us. This is Moses speaking to the people while he was giving them the commands and instructions. He says to them, do not follow the multitude to do evil. And that is so common today. 
People do things because every other person around them is doing it. Why did you do it? Well, I think it's acceptable. But for anyone who is going to take a stand against the enemy and against the devil will come to a point where they recognize that resistance is when we go against the tide of the culture. And this is what the Christians did, those we call martyrs. They were told not to preach. And of course, the enemy was walking through the authorities. They were told, you cannot pray. They were told, this is how far you can go. And these men stood their ground and said, no, we are going to resist the works of the enemy. We are not going to accept it. So resistance is when you go against the tide of the culture. Another way you can see resistance is when we do the right thing solely because it is the right thing that we know to do. So resistance is not just saying, well, I'm going to go against the culture. But when you're doing that, you're saying, no, we're saying to yourself, but I will do the right thing. Because don't forget, that scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil. So in submitting to God, you're saying to yourself, I know what God wants. So in simply doing the right thing is a form of resistance. It's just like someone says to you, you can pray. If you pray to God, as they said to Daniel in the Old Testament, that he will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, Daniel resisted. First of all, he went against what was expected of him because the majority had already accepted it. But it didn't stop there. Daniel knew what was right for him to do. And he said, you know what? I will continue to pray. And that's why the Bible says to us that he stood at the time that he normally would have prayed and looked towards that direction and he still prayed. So what is the right thing to do in every situation that you find yourself that is contrary to the expectations of the culture and the people around us. So resistance is when we do the right thing solely because it is the right thing to do. We are convinced in our hearts. We remember when the disciples of Jesus were told that you cannot speak and preach anymore in the name of this man Jesus. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible says that they looked at the authorities and they said to them, we cannot but speak of the things that we have heard, seen, and of the things that we have experienced. So they are not just saying we are turning against the tide of culture. They are saying we know the right thing to do, and we are going to do it. How many Christians know what is right, but they never do it? And yet they turn around and blame the devil. Well, the devil made me do it, or somebody else made me do it. And this is where we, that's why I said, it's something that is active, it's intentional, it is powerful. You are saying, I'm going against the tide of culture, but at the same time, I know what is right, and I'm going to do it. Another way you can look at resistance as well, is refusing to go along with those who invite us to participate in activities that bring no glory to God, and that is completely contrary to the commandments of God. When we go against or refuse to go along with those who invite us, because reality is that as long as we live, there will be invitations. There will be people who will tell us or call us to do things that we know is against the commandments of God. There will be people, of course, walking in the cafe, I see this all the time. One of the guys were sharing with me and telling me that he's struggling so hard to resist some of the temptations that come his way. They offer to for drugs, you know, that his friends are constantly bringing these things to him. And he just cannot say no. He cannot say, I don't want to participate in this activity. And sometimes in practical ways, that is what resistance would look like for someone like that. Refusing to go along with those who invite us to participate in activities that we know will never bring glory to God and are contrary to his commandments. And so the moment I begin to do things 
that are contrary to the commandments of God, to participate in activities I know that will never bring glory to God. I'm no longer resisting the enemy. In fact, actually, the enemy has got me exactly where he wants me to be. And that's why I said it is intentional. You're looking at every area of your life and asking yourself, am I still resisting in the faith? Am I still resisting the enemy in the activities I partake in? Am I still resisting the enemy in terms of flowing and going with the crowd and with the expectations that they have of me? I'll give us one more when you talk about resistance. Resistance is also holding the line for a good cause. It's like you've singled yourself out and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I am going to hold the line for a good cause. It doesn't matter how many people. It's just like in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, he came to a point in his life when it was like all the prophets have already given in, or, or as we know it, the prophets of Baal and those who had already gone against the commandments of God. And Elijah felt like he was the only one left. But he made a decision that he was going to hold the line and it was for a good cause until God then confirmed and spoke to him, I have some others whose knees have not bowed to Baal. So that's what it is for us. Holding that line for a good cause. You know what the good cause is. And you're saying to yourself, I will hold the line. But before you can do this, you need to remember that when we talk about resistance, it is first and foremost a firm decision that you have to make to engage in the struggle against evil. If you've never come to a point, or maybe I've never come to a point where I have made that firm decision, that you know what, I'm going to take that word resistance seriously, then it's easy for me to be swept away by the tide of culture. It's easy, then becomes easy for me to be invited into activities that does not bring glory to God, and I will participate. It becomes easy for me not to hold the line for a good cause, And so it starts by making that firm decision, saying to yourself, I know what the Bible says. I know who I am in Christ. And that's why we are looking at we are overcomers. Because it's born out of my identity in Christ. I'm an overcomer. I'm not meant to be put under. I'm not meant to be ruled by sin and to be dominated by habits and addictions. I am made to be free and to serve God in freedom and liberty. So once I've made that decision in my heart, In the same way I've made a decision to serve Jesus and to know him as my Lord and personal Savior, then it becomes easy to stand your ground. It becomes easy to allow the Holy Spirit to now walk in and through us so that we can resist the enemy and turn back the attacks that he's got against us. It's just like a man who doesn't understand his position in his family as a man, as a husband, as a one who God has put in that family. Anything then becomes possible. Anything can happen. He relinquishes his responsibilities because he hasn't come to see who he is in that relationship and in the in the position that God has put him. And that's why there's a firm decision in our hearts. Maybe you've not taken resistance seriously, but what we're saying is, I will begin to resist. I will begin to turn it away. You know, I think I remember once in our prayer meeting, someone did mention and said, you know, people come under attack and church members... Uh, coming under attack and all of that. Now, that will never change because that is the nature of our enemy. That is what he will do. But then, how many of us are looking at it from the standpoint of resistance? Yes, he wants to steal your joy, but are you going to allow it to happen? He wants to make sure that you are depressed and you think that God is no longer good to you because of what has happened to you. But are you going to allow that? And that is all part of resistance. I am going to stand my ground 
I know who I am and I will not allow the enemy to make me feel less of who God says I am. There's a new song by Hillsong and I really like the words of that song. It says, I am a child of God and I am who you say I am. The devil will say something else to us. The devil will say to us, it is finished. It's over. You, there's nothing more to be done about the situation. But sometimes all we need to do is to look up to God from where we draw our strength and say to him, it is not over yet. That with my God, as Sammy says, I can scale a mountain. With my God, I can overcome. With my God, as he says, I can run after a troop. And that is what resistance is all about. And as I close this morning, you might be wondering, so how then do I resist from that scripture? And it's, it's quite interesting because the Bible doesn't leave us without an answer when we ask these questions. And I ask myself that question in the text. How then do I resist? And if you go back to James chapter 4 and verse 7, because what Peter does, we're going to look at those two scriptures in closing. Peter and James actually points to two key words. I don't know if you noticed when I was reading it. That are what you find at the heart of our ability to resist the devil. Those key words are very important. And once you fail to see those key words in James and in Peter, then you've missed what actually it means or how you can resist. And those key words there is submission to God and faith. I would say submission and faith. Those are very, those two words are very, very important as we seek to resist. And I'll show us in James chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, therefore, Submit to God, and that's the first one there. Very important. We're going to look at it quickly. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So before he spoke about resisting the devil, it says, it starts from you. Therefore, submit to God, then resist the devil, and then the devil flees from you. Let's look at 1 Peter, and then we'll see the second word that is very important on how to resist in verse 9, he says there, resist him. And we know it's the devil still telling us what to do. He said, steadfast in the faith. So you can see the word faith there is very important. So we are looking at submission and then steadfast in the faith. He says, knowing that the same sufferings I experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So those two are very important. So the first step to resistance is submission to God. That is the first step to resistance. Submission to God. And you might be wondering, so what is submission to God? Submission to God is simply you saying, I can't, but Lord, you can. When you come to a point, or when I come to a point in my walk with God, or in my relationship with God, when I look up to God and I say, or look at the things happening around me, the attacks of the enemy, everything that I'm going through, and my life is now so submitted to God, that I said to him, Lord, you know what? I've looked at everything. I've looked at my life. I've looked at my situation. Lord, I can't. You can. What I'm saying is, my life now has come to a point where it's submitted completely. You are the Lord over this life. Not me anymore. And this is one reason why some people cannot resist the enemy. Because their lives have never come under submission to the authority and to the Lordship of Christ. They are still trying to do it themselves. They are still trying to overcome themselves. 
They are still trying to accomplish what Jesus Christ had already accomplished for them by themselves. And I think this is the position that Paul took. You remember Paul in Philippians uh, chapter 4 verse 13. If you look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, Paul did say this, and I love this verse of scripture. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Can you see that? I can do everything. But he doesn't stop there. He says, this is what it's all about. And he shows his submission. He says, it is through Christ. I have submitted my life to him. I've handed everything over to him. And now he is the one who walks in and through me. And when you look at James, in the book of James chapter 4, James actually describes submission in part as occurring. It can only occur when we develop this closer walk and relationship with God. And that's why it's very important. When you draw near to God, he then draws near to you. And that is submission. Look at James chapter 4 verse 8. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, sometimes people say, oh, well, God seems far away from me. He's allowed me to go through all this and it's like the devil is all around me. And But he says, you draw near. Because as you're drawing near, you're submitting to him. You're saying, it's your lordship. You are the one in charge. You are the one in control. And then he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So how do you draw near to God? You draw near to him in prayer. We draw near to him in scripture reading, fellowship, and all those things that aid our relationship with God. It's interesting that um, on our Thursday uh, meetings at the moment, we are looking at um, uh, the Christian disciplines. And on that, uh, that we've been, we, we, we are looking at, um, I think, connecting with God. And we've started looking at ways we can connect to God. And the first thing we looked at is quiet time. The second thing we looked at is prayer. And the third thing we are looking at this Thursday is Bible study. So in drawing near to God, we are saying that this is how we connect with God. That those times when we are all alone with Him. Those times when we pray and pour our hearts out to Him and allow Him to speak back to us. Those times when we take the scriptures and we read it, digest the word, and allow it to walk in and through us. And that is how we draw near to God. And I think it's virtually impossible to have a meaningful relationship with anyone if you're not communicating with that person. And that's why it's important. When he says, draw near to God, we understand what exactly the Bible is talking about. Because when you draw near to God, or those who submit their life to God, what you see is that those people are very humble. Any person, anybody who comes to God and submits his or her life to God, you see humility in that life. Is a man who has come to a point where he says to himself or herself that you know what? God is the one who owns and who rules this life. Because you cannot separate humility and submission. They go hand in hand. They cannot be separated. Where you see humility, you see submission. And that's why the Bible says submit. But before you can submit, it takes humility. It takes you understanding that I can not, but God, you can. And finally, the second step to resistance, I did mention that in the scripture is absolute faith in God. Absolute faith in God. If submission is looking at God and saying, I can't, you can. Then faith in God is believing that God will and he definitely will do 
what he says that he will do. And that's why the Bible tells us that if you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, and you see what he says, and I'm just going to read that again. He says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same experience, sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So when we are talking about you being steadfast in the faith, and we know what faith is for us as Christians, Submission, you're saying, well, I can't. God, you can. You're the Lord of this life. But in faith, you're putting your whole trust in him and saying, with you, I know that you will definitely do what you have said. You will bring me through. I'll continue to trust in you. I'll continue to believe in you, that you are the one who will see me through. And when you look at the life of the psalmists, over and over, David actually expressed his trust in God I could have shown us maybe many scriptures, but I've just chosen one in Psalm 25 and verse 2. Look at Psalm 25 and verse 2. He says, I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring us to shame. He wants to disgrace us in our work with God, in our families, wherever we are. He says, or let my enemies rejoice over me. There are people who want to rejoice over us. They want to rejoice over our downfall. They want to rejoice when we see that we are not prospering and things are not going okay with us. They're excited. They are happy. But here, this man looks up to God and said, I trust in you, my God. His expression of faith. It is being steadfast in his faith. I know things will happen. I know I may fall and falter. But Lord, my trust and my hope is in you. Do not let me be disgraced. Or let me, my enemies, rejoice in my defeat. And I think that remaining steadfast in our faith is simply staying grounded, keeping our resolve, refusing to give in to doubt and fear, and trusting that God will, and he will definitely do what he says in his word that he will do. In closing, I want you to go home with this thought in everything that we've said. We've talked about faith, we've talked about submission, We've talked about resistance, but put it this way, that faith, submission, and resistance, they are all connected. You cannot separate them in your fight against maybe the devil or in in trying to stand your ground. Faith, submission, and resistance, they are all connected. And you might be wondering, how possible is this, or how true is this? Because you cannot resist the devil only if your faith is strong. And that's why faith is important. And you can be firm in your faith only if you are completely submissive and submitted to God. And that's why I say it's all interconnected. So once you take faith out of the equation, then everything falls. And when you take submission out of the equation, then everything as well falls. Because like I said, you can resist the devil only if your faith is strong. And also you can be firm in your faith Only if you are completely submissive to God. Once you take submission away, no matter how you try to exercise that faith, it's like a man saying, you know what, I'm not submitted to the authorities of the land, but I'm still going to get what I want. It doesn't work that way. And that's why God looks at us and says, I have done everything for you. Faith submits to me. Then stand your ground and see if the enemy will not flee from you. And see if you will not be the overcomer that he has called you and me to be. Shall we just bow our hearts as we, as we reflect on those truths for a few seconds, seconds in our hearts.
faith and submission. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.